Welcome to another interview at Animal Cafe. Each Monday, we offer a new podcast with experts and enthusiasts working to better the lives of animals. Check our website, animalcafe.co, for upcoming interviews and more. This is Lori Houston, your Animal Cafe resident veterinarian. Welcome to another episode of Animal Cafe. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Jill Moss, founder of the Bella Moss Foundation. Jill is here to share some information about the the foundation and to tell us a little bit about MRSA and other resistant types of bacterial infections today. Welcome, Jill, and thank you for joining us. Let's start at the very beginning, Jill, and explain to our readers what a MRSA infection is, please. Um, Well, MRSA uh, stands for methicillium-resistant Staph aureus, and basically it's a strain of Staph aureus that is resistant to a range of antibiotics. And really, you know, it lives in our guts and in our environments, and it's perfectly normal bacteria, and it actually, some bacteria can help us to function. But uh, this bacteria particularly, if it gets an opportunity, it will get into the body and and cause problems. It's not a virus, it's a bacteria, and usually can only be entered into the body through broken skin. And uh, you're the founder of the Bella Moss Foundation. Can you tell us what that is and and what, what your mission with the foundation is? Yes, the Bella Moss Foundation is uh, named after my beautiful Samoyed dog, Bella, who I adored. Um, And sadly, I lost Bella in 2004 to uh, an MRSA infection uh, that that she had in her leg at the time. And I was so devastated that we formed the charity. And our mission is to eradicate MRSA and other resistant bacteria organisms um, posing a threat to our pets. I'm sorry to hear about uh, about Bella. That's... That's a horrible experience to have to have lived through. Yes, it was. It was very, very sad. And and, and as she passed away, I made her a promise that her death would not be in vain. And and that's why I'm doing the work that I'm doing to to help save other animals and to help inform pet carers all over the world uh, about this particular bacteria and what can be done to prevent it becoming a problem in their companions. I think it's wonderful when you can take a tragedy like that and turn it into something useful for other other people and to help save other pets. Yes, exactly right. And that way her death is not in vain. Exactly. Well, how common are these infections, Jill? How often are they seen? Well, Bella died of a, an infection in her knee because she was chasing a squirrel um, and it was an orthopedic surgery. Um, and unfortunately, they are more common. The, the same way that people contract MRSA, MRSA as you call it, um, in hospital, animals contract it in exactly the same way during surgical procedures or post-operative procedures. Anywhere where the skin is broken is an opportunity for a bacteria to enter. That's for a person or an animal. We just didn't know about this. Bella was the first recorded dog to ever die of this infection. So since her death, more awareness that I've been working on has meant that we're looking for more cases. So sadly, it's becoming much more common. That is pretty sad. Um, there are some things that in a veterinary clinic, uh, you know, where surgery and, and uh, other procedures are being performed, there are some things that can be done to prevent these types of things from occurring, aren't there, Joe? Yeah. I mean, basically, what I would say is you can, you can really read about this on our website in great depth. 
Um, but, you know, we have also a website uh, called Veterinary Nurse Training where you can go in and your vet can go in. And that's been, we've worked on that in collaboration with, with the Royal Veterinary College here. You can actually um, do quite a lot to prevent this. Um, did you want to know what vets could do or what pet carers could do? Because those are two separate questions with two separate answers. Why don't we start with the vets first and then we'll talk about what pet owners can do. Right, okay then. What I would say is that when you choose your car or you choose your house, um, you have to think about the research that you're putting into, looking into all of that. Because when you're looking into doing something in life, you research it. If you're researching your veterinary practice, and we have a page on the website called Finding a Vet, you need to check whether they're accredited by the uh, regulating bodies. Um, you need to have a chat with them and say, look, you know, I'm bringing my pet to you for health care. Can you tell me if you have an infection control protocol in place? Um, you may find that very difficult because challenging veterinarians can be quite frightening. But they should be able to answer that question and show you a copy. And they should be open with you about what they're doing to prevent infections um, being transmitted. Because this is passed from humans to animals. We know that by the research. It has the potential to go back and forth. But we know that it is passed from humans to animals. So if your vets are practicing good hygiene, the likelihood is there's going to be much less risk of your pet developing a post-operative infection okay and now pet owners what can what can a pet owner do well with your pet from the moment that you get your pet whether it's a rescued animal or a puppy you have to think about keeping your pet healthy and diet and exercise comes into all of that what you don't think about is the use of antibiotics because we know that the overuse of antibiotics is one part of why this bug is spreading. The other is lack of good hygiene. But over the years, we have pumped antibiotics into so many things that we're losing the momentum now to find the right one when we really need it. So I would say just be very careful about the use of antibiotics. Don't not use them, but use them appropriately as and when they're necessary and try to avoid the overuse of the broad-spectrum antibiotics. Make sure your vets are, are using very good hygiene. And if you're a person who's coming into contact with someone in the home that has MRSA, just practice good hygiene in the home. And again, all of the information in more detail is on our website. And I'd say one other thing, just avoid your pet going into hospital unnecessarily because that's just increasing the risk of, of, of any opportunistic bacteria becoming a problem. And if your pet already has a wound that's infected? Yeah, Laurie, we have a sheet on our website that goes into great detail about that. I mean, what you're looking at is um, mostly wounds will be covered by a veterinarian and therefore not a risk. Um, but if it is an open wound, you shouldn't really be having to do very much to it. I would think your vet would be doing that. Um, but again, there's a sheet on our website telling you how to use correct hand hygiene and as and when to practice it, depending on what you're doing. If you're just putting eardrops or eye drops into an animal that's infected, again, just wear gloves, disposable gloves, and make sure you wash your hands after. You know, you're not. This is not because we think you'll get the MRSA. We want to protect the animal from any further bacteria that's already on your hands when that animal's in you know vulnerable position to begin with. So this is to protect your pet more than anything else. Diligent hand hygiene and responsible use of antibiotics. The fact that your pet has a resistant infection like this, that doesn't necessarily mean that the infection is going to be fatal. Correct? No. 
No, no. In my case, you have to understand, Bella was the first dog to develop this MRSA. Now, that was back in 2004, and I knew nothing. I didn't know anybody who knew anything. There was no information on the website. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. We've seen hundreds of animals recover, do really well, go back to living absolute normal lives. The key is early detection. With this bug, if you can detect it early, and if you can do the right thing, which is your vet, suspect an infection, take a swab or a culture, send it off to the lab, identify the bacteria, make sure the right antibiotic is given, that animal has every chance of just getting really well and moving on to a normal life. It's only when you don't know and the vet doesn't know, as what happened with Bella, that it becomes a fatality. We know that some people can be carriers of these types of infections without actually being sick. Is that true of our pets too? Jill, yeah, yeah, there is it's 30% of the population. I'm quoting you UK figures here. I'm not sure of the USA figures. Carry MRSA harmlessly in their nose and throat. And um, they carry it harmlessly in their nose and throat. And it means that they can just be carriers, but never necessarily develop an infection. Now, that can be carriage can be passed to your pet. If you're a person who's working in healthcare, works in a hospital, works with the elderly, or works with someone who has MRSA, or you're in a home with MRSA, you can pass that to your pet. But again, a healthy animal could come into contact with that MRSA and its own immune system will deal with it. And I know that sounds strange, but a healthy animal is not going to be at risk from having contact with someone with MRSA. So what you've got to consider here is that healthy people and animals are not at risk. It's the elderly and the vulnerable, and that applies to animals as well, and those going into hospital who are having, you know, surgery or allergy, underlying health problems where you keep seeing repeated skin infections. There is always no risk whatsoever. If you come into contact with a carrier of MRSA and you're healthy, your pet is healthy, there is no need for you to worry. And that's true of people as well as pets. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, that's right. We just take extra precautions when we know that we're living with the elderly and the vulnerable. Because if you're healthy and an animal's healthy, our own immune system can deal with coming into contact with most bacteria and it doesn't pose a problem. I would say one thing, if you are a carrier and you have an infection and you have a pet, just make sure you don't have face-to-face -face contact. That doesn't apply to anyone else who doesn't have the MRSA infection, but if you know you've got it or you're a carrier, you don't really want to be licking the face of your pet. Or, the, or have the lick your face rather <laughs> yeah so that would be a, a good situation where uh, you'd want to avoid kisses from your pet and maybe sleeping with your pet and that type of thing only if you have an active infection and that you're a known carrier i mean there might be people listening to this saying oh but what if i'm a carrier and i don't know it and what if i well yeah. i would say that the majority of people are not carriers we know from the research your average everyday person is not a carrier of MRSA really there is is no likelihood at all it's usually those that work in hospitals and have contact with the bug and you can get a simple nasal swab from your practitioner to determine whether you are a carrier or not if you're really worried and how can people get in touch with with you and the bella moss foundation jill well, there's a telephone number on the website, but that is for my English cell phone. So I think the, the quickest way, we have three different websites. There's the Bella Moss Foundation. Do you want me to name the websites? Yeah, why don't we give them the URL address? Yeah, so it's, it's www.thebellamossfoundation.com. 
foundation.com. But if you did a search for Bella Moss, it would come up anyway. Um, from that website, you can go to our other website, which is Veterinary Nurse Training, and you and your vets can look at that website and take a, a tour of what is good and bad practice and test your knowledge at the end. And we use that as a training tool for veterinary staff. So it's very useful for pet carers to, to want to know more about how they can protect their pets, make the right decision in the choice of vet by having a look at that website. And there's a link to that called VNTO from our Bella Moss Foundation website. And may I also say there's a link to Bands for Bella. We do have a third website where we're asking people to download a digital CD. Um, the music's been donated by 16 bands in New York, very talented musicians who have donated their music and they've done that to help us raise funds so again there's a link to bands for bella from our website oh that's very nice all right well thank you very much for joining us jill you've been very informative and i really appreciate your time and may i just end with one thought whoever's listening mrsa mercer is not a death sentence it can be treated successfully wonderful i think that's a uh a good uh, ending thought, Jill. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Animal Cafe. But please take a few moments to check out some of the information on the Bella Moss Foundation website. And don't forget to join us next week here at Animal Cafe for another fun and exciting episode. This is Lori Houston saying goodbye for this week. <laughs> <laughs>